Amen. That was great. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, as the uh, musicians are exiting, I thought we'd have our scripture reading, but instead of having a scripture reading, I thought we'd have a scripture memorization. So how about we memorize the scripture reading together? Is that going to be okay? It's Leviticus uh, 23? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. It's uh, John 10.10. 10. This is the second half of the verse. But uh, the Bible talks about hiding the word in our hearts, and this is something we can just say and memorize right now. The scripture reading is simply, I've come that they might have life, they might have it to the full, and have it to the full. So let's just say, let's just do the first half together. i say, I've come that they might have life. Let's say that. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So let's say the whole thing together. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. See, you've come this morning, you're memorizing scripture, we're doing this together. So let's say whenever there's, during the sermon, if the question is ever asked, why did Jesus come? So if, it, if I ever ask that question, why did Jesus come? We're all going to respond with? I have come that they All right, now take the scripture off, right? Take that out. <laughs> no looking, right? Okay. Why did Jesus come? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have come, that we might have life, that we might have it to the full. And we thank you that you have done that through the finished work of your son, Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his sending of the Holy Spirit. And because of what you have done, we have life and we have it to the full. We thank you. We pray that that reality would be more true for us as we leave today. We would live further into that reality as we leave today than when we came in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our scripture verse is what we just said. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. But we're going to camp out in our time this morning in the gospel of John chapter 6. Let there be lights. <laughs> Wasn't it wonderful waking up this morning? Beautiful day today. Oh, my gosh. I tell you, you know, being in Michigan, you appreciate spring. <laughs> and being a Christian, we appreciate the resurrection. John chapter 6, if you're turning there, it is the Jesus feeding the 5,000. This is recorded in each of the Gospels, uh, but John is, uh, is, is special in many ways. So we're going to look at this verse, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full, in two sections. There's, there's the first part of that a ver, a, a sentence, I have come that they might have life, and the secondly, I've come that they might have it to the full. So let's talk about what uh, might we mean when Jesus says, I have come that they might have life. In John chapter 6, verse 2, it says there's a great crowd that's following Jesus, they have seen the signs he's performing and he's healing the sick. That was a staple of his ministry, that those that were blind, lame, mute, sick, Jesus would heal, restore them. I've come that they might have life. It says that Jesus goes up on a mountainside. Now, when you think mountainside, don't think Rocky Mountains, think a hill. He goes up on a hill and he has his disciples with him and he looks around and he sees thousands and thousands of people. Verse 10 says there are 5,000 men 
And the other gospel accounts remind us that there were not simply men that were there, there were also women and children. So you can imagine a number that would have been anywhere between 15 and 20,000. This is a lot of people. And Jesus is from the hillside with his disciples looking at these thousands and thousands of people. And then he turns to one of his disciples. Now you have to imagine what if Jesus turned to you and you're seeing these thousands and thousands of people and Jesus says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? In one of the gospel accounts, Jesus turns to his disciple and says, you feed them. And Philip says what we would all say, uh, what? You've got to be kidding me. Uh, Jesus, don't you know that it would take more than half a year's wages if I was to work for six months? If we did that, we had all that money of six months' wages, it would only buy enough bread for everyone to have one single bite. We can't do this. I can't feed them. We can't feed them, Jesus. This is impossible. And then Andrew Simon Peter's brother says, well, well, uh, Jesus, there's a boy over here. He's got some bread, five loaves or something, and a couple of fish. Yeah, I can see the disciples being like, oh, yeah, that's really helpful. We have 20,000 people here. We're going to have these five loaves of bread. Thanks, Andrew. Very helpful. But Jesus takes those loaves and takes those fish. He tells everyone to sit down. He blesses the food, and then he hands it out. And this is what happens. He says he gives thanks. He distributes to those that are seated. And how much do they have? Do they only have one bite? It says that they have as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. The same with the fish. They ate as much as they wanted. And when they had all had enough to eat, The disciples gathered the pieces that were left over, let nothing be wasted, and they gathered them. They filled 12 baskets. It wasn't just like they had enough to eat. There was leftovers for 20,000 people. And what is Jesus saying? You can't feed them. You cannot feed them, but who can? I can feed them. I can feed them. I have come that they might have life. You can't heal them. I can heal them. This is a very similar sentiment that Jesus shares in the uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is there talking about worry and anxiety. Of course, none of us have any worry or any anxiety in our life, of course. But Jesus wasn't talking to you, he was talking to someone else. He says this, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. And here's what he says. Look at the, look at the birds of the air. Look at the uh, nature around you. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. When we see animals and and when we see birds and everything out in all of creation, they are being sustained 
And the Bible says that it's God who sustains them. And that when you and I are sustained, who is feeding us? God is feeding us. I have come that they might have life. Because God realizes that you and I are physical beings, and he sustains us physically. It's, it's a, he, he's the one that provides the bread. He's the one that provides the water that sustains you. It's a good practice for those of us that do it, and I encourage you to at least do it when your family gathers together for meals, is to say a blessing. And when you say a blessing, you are saying, thank you who? God. Thank you, Lord that you have provided this for me. Because why did Jesus come? Come that they might have life and have it to the full. God provides all things for you. If you are being sustained, God is sustaining you. But we also know that it isn't simply they might have life. Jesus also said that they might have it to the full. That they might have life but have it to the full. Going back to our text in John. It says that the people were fed by Jesus, and that night, Jesus goes over to the other side of the lake. They were kind of by a body of water. Jesus goes to the other side, miraculously gets there. That's a different sermon. But when he gets there, when the people wake up the next day, Jesus isn't there. He's left. Now, they go looking for him. They go looking for him. And it says that they find him on the other side of the lake, And they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says this, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He says this, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus is saying, you're following me because I I gave you bread, I gave you food, and I sustained you. I provided that for you. He says, but do you not know that your need for sustainment is not simply physical? You are not simply, you and I are not simply physical beings. We have something much deeper to the core of ourselves, which we can call a soul, which we can call a spirit. And we have a spiritual life. And Jesus says, don't simply work for that which sustains you physically. You also need to be sustained spiritually. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And who is going to give it to you? which the Son of Man will give you. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus declares to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Not simply that sustains you physically, I am the bread of life that sustains you in your soul. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. One of the gospel accounts when, they, when the feeding of the 5,000 says that Jesus looks at the crowd and he has pity on them because he recognizes that they're languishing. He recognizes that they're hungry and so he physically provides for them. He feeds them. 
But in the same manner, Jesus would look upon the crowds, and Jesus looks upon us, and he doesn't see simply physical languishment. He doesn't see simply people that need to be fed physical bread and to drink physical water. He sees spiritual languishing, and he has come to have pity on us, not simply to provide food, but also to provide spiritual bread and spiritual water. Experts in the field of counseling talk about something that it can be defined as a lack or something that is defined as a void in people's lives. There's a lack, there's a void. Because when Jesus looks at us, he sees spiritual languishment. Apart from him, we're all languishing spiritually. We're all dry. We're all withered. We're all dried up. And because we have this lack, because we were made, just like your body was made to eat bread and to drink water, we're made to be spiritually filled. And because we're disconnected from a spiritual nourishment, we experience a lack, we experience a void, and we go looking for something to fill it. Who here has ever been hungry before? Who here has ever been thirsty before? If you are hungry or thirsty, I can guarantee you, if you're hungry, you go look for food. If you are thirsty, You go look for water. Believe me, you do. And the thing is, when you and I are spiritually hungry and when you and I are spiritually thirsty, we go looking. We go looking. And we go and look in all sorts of places, places that we think we're going to find spiritual nourishment, but it always is failing us. We think we can find spiritual nourishment. And what I mean by that is a place where we can find meaning, a place where we can find purpose, a place where we can find joy, a place where we can find an identity. We go those places. We need to be filled with those things. You need to be filled with those things. And we go to places like a job, and we think, oh, I'm going to find fulfillment. I'm going to find meaning and purpose and identity there. Once I get to this position, then I'm going to have this fulfilled life. Once I have this situation in my relationship, once my marriage is, is once I get married to this person, man, people who are engaged, it's, all, it's like this a lot. Like, oh, life's going to be great once we're married. Then you get married, right? Life's going to be great. No, life is great once you're married, too, you know. Uh, You know what I mean. (laughs) My wife's going to be at the next service. (laughs) Uh, Or you can say things like, you know, once I weigh this amount, you know, I want to weigh this amount. Once I weigh this amount, everything's going to be great. I'm going to find fulfillment once I look this way. I'm going to find fulfillment once I have this kind of house or these possessions or this car or whatever it is. The point is, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Just a few chapters earlier from John chapter 6 is John 4. And in John 4, Jesus goes to talk to a Samaritan woman. And he asks her for water. And she draws water out of a well. And Jesus says to her, if you knew, if only you knew who it was who asks you for water, you would ask him. And he would give you living water. And what Jesus is saying, look, woman, there's water that sustains you physically, but I didn't just come that you might have life. I've come that you have it to the full. If you asked me, I'd give you living water that would sustain you to the core of yourself. And then Jesus says something very interesting to her. He says, go and call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now with is not your husband. 
Now, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, woman, I know where you've been going to find life. I know where you've been going to fill your soul, to fill the lack and fill the void, and we both know it isn't working. Come to me, come to me, and you will have everlasting life in a way that you'll never find with your merry-go-round of relationships. I am the source of life for you, not that. In a way, we're kind of like all the bystanders in a a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. Hans Christian Andersen tells a fairy tale about a king, an emperor, who is going to participate in a royal parade, a royal parade. And so he goes to, uh, he wants to have the most magnificent clothes ever. And he goes to a couple of weavers, people that make clothes, and he says, make me the most amazing clothes ever. I want to look amazing, and I want everyone to notice me. Make me amazing clothes. But these two weavers were con men. And what they do is they, they don't know how to make clothes, but they tell the king, we're making you amazing clothes. But these clothes are magic clothes. You can only see them if you are a person fit for your station, they say. If you're a man who's fit for where you are, you know, capable. You can only see these clothes if you're intelligent and capable. If you can't see these clothes, then you're unfit for your station and you're foolish and ignorant. So, of course, the king would never admit that he couldn't see them. And neither would anyone else. And the whole town knew about these clothes. And so the day of the parade comes and the king participates and he goes out and he's not wearing anything. <laughs> no one will say it except one child. You always, it's always going to be one kid, right? <laughs> and one little kid looks up at the king and he says, he's not wearing anything. And as soon as the kid says it, it's like, it just breaks the spell and goes, oh, he's not, I'm not, what what happened? The the point is, is, is that just in the same way, we go looking for life in all these different places and it doesn't work. It's like there's, the emperor has no clothes because what happens is, is we see people and it looks like it's working. It looks like it's working. We see people's social media posts, and it looks like they have the perfect marriage. It looks like they're finding fulfillment in their job. It looks like they have fulfillment in their vacations. It looks like they found fulfillment in the new position that he has. And everyone thinks, well, this is working, so maybe I just have to keep trying. But guess what? It's not working for them either. It just looks like it is. And it'd be helpful if we could just all admit together, the emperor has no clothes. It's not working. It's not working. Because there's only one true source of spiritual life. Because why did Jesus come? I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Because Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is living water. The only thing that can sustain your soul at the level of purpose, meaning, identity, and joy is God. Is God. And Jesus says that in John chapter 17, verse 3, his high priestly prayer. 
John 17, verse 3, his priestly prayer, Jesus says this, now this is eternal life. This is it. This is eternal life. This is what will feed your soul. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life, spiritual, sustaining sources of, of, of joy and meaning and purpose and identity is found in relationship with your maker. But the problem is, is we're all looking for life in the wrong places. And so we've been cut off. That's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is finding life in things other than God. But Jesus came to make the way for us to be brought back to life again. That's why the Bible calls it a new birth, a new life. Because we have this source that was gone that's been brought near again. Final illustration, then we'll close. Uh, when we moved into our house three years ago, uh, we had a, a, a kind of a partially finished basement. And you know when you move into a house, I remember telling my wife, if we're going to do anything project-wise, we've got to do it now. Because once we move in and get comfortable, I'm probably not going to do it. So let's just do it now. So we said, well, let's try to finish our basement. And so we had people come in. I'm not good with my hands. And I did lay the flooring. I don't know how that happened, but I did do that. <laughs> but I can't do other things. But one of the last things that we had to do, uh, at least that I did, was put in uh, electrical plugs. As the electrical had already been roughed in, if you know what that means. I didn't know what that meant. It's been roughed in, which means that the wires are there. Uh, but I was the one that took the plugs and kind of tore the wires, but you tore the, you know, put the wires and I hooked it up. <laughs> and I, I went to each plug and I went onto YouTube and watched how to do it. You can learn tons of stuff from YouTube. And I'm just, I put it in and I was super proud of myself and it looked great. I thought, oh man, boy, this is great. I'm done. A couple days later, um, the kids come down to play with some toy or something like that, and I went to go uh, plug it in. Didn't work. <laughs> I thought, what? I know I put it in right. It looks right. It probably is just a bad plug. I mean, it's got to, you, you know, for all the hundreds of plugs that are sold, the thousands of plugs every day or whatever, I'm sure this one's just bad. So I just took it out and I plug it into the next one. That one didn't work either. Well, maybe I have two bad plugs. It can happen. I went and unplugged it into the next one. That one didn't work either. None of them worked at all. None of the plugs worked. Now, at that point, I have no idea why, and I have no idea what to do. I don't know anything about electricity besides what I saw on YouTube, how to hook this thing in. And I'm certainly not going to drive, you know, get back into the box and start touching things because I like my life and I don't want to lose it. <laughs> so I, what do I have to do? I have to call a professional who comes in and he looks at the situation and he says, and he, he went back there and he touched everything, he knows how to do it all. He says, Chris, I found out what your problem is. Yeah, you the <laughs> no, the breaker was on, thank you. <laughs> well, that could have been the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> and my wife would say, that would sound like something Chris would do, not turn the breaker on. He said, no, the issue is, you, everything's hooked up right, but there's no power. 
the power's not flowing into it. You have, to, you have to hook everything that's hooked up right into the power. Without any power, it doesn't work, and everything can be hooked up right, but there's no power. So he just hooked it back in, and the power flew in through the, uh, you know, obviously, whatever electricity does, it does its thing, right? And then um, I plugged the thing in, and it worked. Now, what's the moral of this? You and I keep plugging ourselves into different outlets thinking, well, maybe this one will work. Well, you know, I'm going to plug my life into the, the, the plug of my job, and I'm going to find life there, but it's, there's no life there. Well, it looks like there should be. It looks like there should be. It's all hooked up, right? It should work. Well, it's not. Well, maybe I'll plug it into my family then. I'm going to, I'm going to make my life all about that. Oh, that, that's not working either. Well, okay, maybe I'll plug it into, my, my, into money and possessions. Oh, that's not working. Nothing's working. And we don't know how to fix it. We can't fix it. We have to call in someone that can. And the only one that can is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ comes, he says, you have a problem. You have no power. And the power is something that only I can hook you into. I can hook you into the power, which is myself. And once the power of God flows through, everything comes alive. Then all of a sudden, when you plug into something, you bring life to things. When you plug something in, what happens? Power flows through and into something else. So instead of drawing life from your job, you, you bring life to your job because you're full of life from, from the Holy Spirit. So now the, the power that's flowing through you from the power of God as you're sustained by the Holy Spirit, the bread of life and living water, you bring life to your job. You're not trying to suck it out anymore. You bring life to your marriage, not suck it out anymore. You bring life to your things. You bring life to all these other things. And all of a sudden, everything becomes a joy to you because you aren't depending on it forever everything that it could not bring you. Jesus came. Actually, why did Jesus come? I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are the bread of life. You are living water. Thank you that although we, we can't do this thing, I, I, I can't make these plugs work, I can't bring life, for life was not meant to be brought to me. But thank you that you saw me spiritually languishing, and you had pity on, uh, pity on me and mercy on me, and you came and died in my place, you paid for my sins, you raised me to newness of life with you by the Holy Spirit, and now you've made me alive. Lord, I pray that all of us this morning would turn it's another word for repent. We would turn from those things that we have gone to get life, that we would turn to you and you alone, the only source of spiritual sustenance. Make us new and allow us to bring life to all the other things in our life through your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.